11th chapter. I said we were only going to go through 12. <laughs> That's still my plan. I won't take license. Where we're going after that, I don't yet know. So stand by uh, on that count. Um, love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God. It's the first verse here in chapter 11. Today you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always. Love the Lord your God. Um, it's, it's, it is a radical command when you think about it and we will talk about it here in a little bit but um, this this love relationship really begins to bloom and blossom here in Deuteronomy in Genesis we see God's love for his creatures in the creation we see God's love in the redemption of the ark. We see God's love and calling a people to himself in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we really see God's love in redeeming his people from Israel and bringing justice upon those who oppose him. And in Deuteronomy, over and over again, the love of God has... um, shown itself to us uh, in in very vivid colors. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 10, starting in 9. I'll start in 9. Where he, he commands them to not bow down to other gods or serve them. For I am the Lord your God. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And I visit the iniquity of, of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Yes, justice. But... Showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. God's love, our love. There's an expectation that his creatures will love him. One chapter later in the Shema, we hear the greatest commandment from the Lord Jesus Christ's lips. God the Son tells us this is the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Reiterate it again in the next chapter. If you were to read 7, 7 through 13, love cropping up all over. Uh, the ver- uh, Chapter 7, verse 6. God declares to Israel... For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. He has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Why why do you why is it radical? that God would love his creatures and why is it radical that he would call them to love him in return? Do you see this in pagan religions? Okay, why do why? Why am I trying to gain favors? Okay, because I, I I don't want to cross him. Okay, he is obviously greater than I am, and so, ooh, you know what? We don't we don't know what we're doing wrong, or we're probably doing something wrong. So we've got to sacrifice something. So we have to appease an angry God. 
I think the fact that God doesn't need you to love him, like he needs nothing from us, so it does make it a little, like as you said, why is it kind of bizarre? Like he doesn't need us to love him for anything, so the fact that he would call us to is really for us, not for him. Why? You will hear this this thought come out from time to time in, in, in well-meaning people. But, you know, God created us. You know, he, he, he needed somebody to love. He just needed somebody to love. Why, why, is, that, why is that heresy? Heresy. You know, put that thought down. Drive a stake in the heart of it. Why is it heresy? I think he's complete. Like she said, he's complete already. He doesn't need. He needs nothing. Okay, so God doesn't love us? Well, more than himself. More than himself. Okay, okay. But wasn't he lonely? It's a trinity. That's a trinity. What do you mean? That all, all three persons of the trinity... Um, loving each other. We're talking perfect relationship. Perfect <laughs> love. Perfect union within the triune God. He didn't need nothing. He, he, he is complete. He is holy. He is righteous. He is good. It really messes up your entire idea of God and the relationship that we have. Christianity is a joke if, if our God needs anything. Yes, then he's not. If he needs anything, he is not God. That thing that he needs becomes God. Okay? So, so yes, it's, it is radical that God would create his creatures and command them to love him. Why does God desire his creature? Because he doesn't need it. So why does God desire that his creatures love him? Why does he command them to love him? Why not? I mean, you might, you might kind of. There are good people who are good people who are not Christians. You know, you say you have a straight moral compass, but your reasoning for doing it is probably self-serving. Okay. also have to look at there's different facets of love so for example the love that God has for us we cannot give as creatures we cannot give him creatorly love back to himself um, just like there's different facets of love in human endeavors like you love your, your wife different than you love someone else's wife hopefully and uh, or your children yeah. versus your parents or all those sure. things are love sure. but they're different Coming at different angles. Mm -hmm. It's come out here that that God can't love anything greater than He loves Himself. I mean, His glory is is the thing, is the thing, and so therefore, for Him to command His creatures to love Him gives Him the worth that He is due, brings Him the glory that He is due. Adam and Eve, was, was this a struggle for them in the garden? <clears throat> no, that for them to love him. No. They, they saw him for what he was. He was the cre- creator. Sorry, they were the creatures. He, he created all of this. And Adam saw it 
vividly when he created woman who was not and suddenly now is. Adam didn't see the creation of the world prior. He was already placed, created as man in the garden. So his awareness is of this extraordinary creation. So God reveals to him, obviously, that he is the one who has made this and for whom he has made it. So we have... We have God, and we have man, and we have all of the other created things, okay? Man is supposed to love this, not these things. Supremely. If man starts to love these over this, everything gets messed up. If God loves this, or if man loves this supremely, then everything else is loved in a proper order. And God is glorified in that. As man pursues God, Man appreciates what God has provided for him. As man follows hard after God, he remains in proper orientation. What is the whole purpose of a chiropractor? Align your spine. Align the spine. It could be a rap song. Yeah. Yes, to align the spine. What, what happens if your spine's not properly aligned? Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe you can't walk. Core of your body, everything yeah. will get run out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you <clears throat> something just not right, man. It's it's not right. You don't walk right. You don't sit right. Everything hurts. If it's but if things are in proper alignment, then you don't. You really almost don't notice because everything is functioning properly. So only. This is, so, this is so critical. This is vital. Only in God, only in God can man find his fullness. Can man find his purpose? Can man find his satisfaction? And ultimately when man does this, this in turn brings God great glory so picking up on something kind of Shauna alluded to, can all mankind love God? Yes. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna look up a couple of verses. Joseph, would you uh, turn to Romans chapter 8? Ty, would you turn to John 14? Shauna, turn to 1 John chapter 4. David, Romans chapter 5. Okay. Can all of mankind love God? Yes, no. Should take a poll. I think yes. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. I'd like to change my answer. (laughs) Yeah, those who are in, in the realm of the flesh can. They cannot please God. Okay, I have a, I have a question. The mind hostile to God. Just a second. Let's, let's, let's let these the verses kind of stew here. John chapter 14, verse 24. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. 
to love Christ is to obey His commandments. Well, no, no, no. What were you gonna? What was your question? Oh well. Okay. So we all are in the flesh at some point, you know, until we are saved. And I know you have the whole sovereignty of God and He's just predestined. Sure. But I would say that we don't know who that is. So would you not say that we all have the capability within us because God tells you, "Be holy as I am holy," and it's a commandment to all of us. And He's not gonna say only some of you can actually can achieve this. Like, can't we? Can we not all, like, it's a possibility, but it doesn't mean that it won't happen? Or some people just really can't? Like, is in, that what it's saying? In the garden, from what Scripture says, in the garden, yes. The answer, the answer to the question, the original question, would be, were we all still trucking around Eden, chasing butterflies and, and tending? Uh, the answer would be yes. Absolutely. It, it, is, it is man's natural response to his creature. But man is fallen, and man is corrupted, and his will is hostile toward God now at this point. Okay, well, we're, we're going to continue to go, okay, so, so can all mankind, we go, oh, these, these are kind of, but people will say, oh, I love God. I love God. <laughs> okay, but no, no, they, they really, they, you know, or you'll hear people say, well, I'm really spiritual, and, and you go, what does that mean? Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. This is real love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Why do we love? We love because he first loved us. us. God loves the world, so he gave his one and only son. That's true. Now, you know, here we, we have to understand what does he mean by the world? You know, again, the context of the world in that. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Shauna, you, uh, did you turn, ch- close it up? Sorry, should have told you to stay there. Okay. First John chapter 4, still. We're going to be in First John and John a lot here. I'll free Shauna after this, this verse. Sorry. That's okay. My pages are... 419. love each other as a result of his loving us first. Okay. So, what does this say about a believer loving God and thereby loving one another? Yes. How did he show his love to us as believers. Okay. He opened our eyes because we were dead in our sin. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. My heart will not love God apart from his work in my life because I don't want him. I loved the darkness rather than the light. John 3, 17. Their deeds were evil. They loved the darkness rather than... It it is not man's nature to love God. Unless God first calls man. Redeems him. Gives him the regenerate heart paddle. And opens his eyes. 
you know, God, how, did, how is it that, that Israel has come to know God? Because God chose them to be his treasured people. To be a blessing to them that they in turn would then be a blessing to others and reveal this God to other nations. That they would be a blessing. So when we come here to chapter 11 and verse 1, you shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, and his commandments always. He's calling out to his people. He is calling out to the people that he has already shown his love to. And so as we move on into chapter 11, this, this, this point, this foundation stone is that from which everything else is going to flow off. And this is why also this is the first and greatest commandment. For one whose eyes have been opened that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. You know what? Let me ask. Um, Describe a person who loves God. Describe a person who loves God. Okay? Should be. Should be. Should be. You know, and, and we can you can ex, you can explain why each one of these should be. You know, why are they hopeful? Well, because you know, I am, I've got a home in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. You know, I'm 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 humble because I am not God, and I can look at all of the ick within me. What what else is a person who who loves God like? Joyful, does that mean they're always smiling? Snoopy feet all the time? No. no. I would I'm, I would say to to try to be if I try to be, I'm probably not going to do very well. I'm just playing a role. It has to be it is a it is a fruit. Of the spirit, is it not? I don't think that you can try to be joyful. You can try to be happy. Put Joy is happiness. something that you that comes from within because of Christ. Like you can be joyful and not be happy. Yeah. I think I, if you have a temperament that's not given towards joy, I think you do have to try happy. And I think that isn't necessarily like like joy, you know, over stuff mentally, but just putting, you know, reminding yourself of the things that you have reason to be joyful for and, and then the joyful spring. Yes, but I would, I would say that that's not, that's not trying to be joyful. That's recognizing you're not and going back to the source of joy, pleading, build this within me. You know, I, this, I should, I should, these things should bring me joy. There's so much that should bring me joy. Why am I, why do I walk around like Eeyore? You know, <laughs> Christians ought not be Eeyores out there. What else? Somebody who. They're still sinful. Okay, let me, let me, yes, yes they are. Describe a man who loves his wife. Sacrificial. 
<laughs> you'd like to think so. You'd like to hope again. You'd like to hope so. Like to be around her. Consider it. But now, why does he love her as well as the when, question? When is he not? When is he? <laughs> when is he? When is, when he's not around her, what is he like? Speaks well of her. Yes. Okay. He's not perfect. I mean, he's. he's no, he, just like, just like, as believers, we're still sinful. It's not okay. So, in all of these, now, now think about this. I asked you guys describe somebody who loves the Lord. Now describe somebody who loves his wife. How are the descriptors different? What was missing in the first descriptors? God was missing. Oh, you should be joyful. You should be humble. You should be da 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 da. But where's the adoration for Him? You are showing me the characteristics of this guy. But if somebody loves the Lord, where's He? You know, the husband who's got the picture of his wife on his desk, who talks about his wife, who speaks glowingly of his wife. And says nothing about his Lord? Do we adore? Great word, Katie. Do we adore the Lord? Do you? Do you thirst after him as a deer pants for water? I think there's a, you have a view of basically God being a parent. Like I don't expect Keith to adore me like I adore Sean because you, know, you view it as a parent-child relationship because it's creator creation. You know, even, though, even though God tells us to do Christ, we're supposed to be the bride of Christ. Yes. But there's, you, you definitely... No, we need to get over that. We need to plunge into that. We need to dive deep into that pool of intimacy with the living God. Because that's what we were created for. And we, ha- we as believers, especially we as American believers, have a very, especially as... You know, evangelical, Bible reformed. We're, we're, where's the passion and the emotion in our predestination? <laughs> God redeemed us to be a treasured people for Himself. That we would love Him. That we would find our satisfaction in Him. And if my life and my day are here and never here, do I really love him? And it's not just mountains and and whatever that was. It's over there. Um, You know, the things of this world. Get in our way. Again, they're not bad. They're not bad. They are gifts of the living God. But do we love him? Okay, and let's talk about and for a little bit. Love and keep. Love the Lord your God and keep his charge. Now the word and... You go, is it love and keep? And these are on the same par? Or is it love and keep that the one flows out from the other? Flow. How do we know? Because Jesus tells us this. Uh, Yeah, John. We're we're in John. John, uh, Kara, would you turn to John 14... 
Vinny, John 15, Caleb, 1 John 2, Jeremy, 1 John 5. I'm, 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 I'm anchoring in this because I don't want to get out of Deuteronomy and not swim in this. 1 John 14, is that who? Is that Kara? You said 1 John or John? I'm sorry, John 14. There isn't a first John 14. Uh, are you in John 14? Yeah. Okay. Uh, 15, 21, 23, and 24. Just do 15 first. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you will blow out, you will keep my commandments. 21. Okay, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and that will exhibit, that will, that will prove your love for me. 23 and 24. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Okay. Again, I can say I love God all day long. But if I am not following after his word, if, if that love relationship doesn't flow out into obedience to his word, ooh, I'll get ahead of myself. Uh, leave that hanging there. Chapter 15, uh, verses 10 and 14. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And what's the other one? 14. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Wow. I mean, how, how important is this point to Christ? Again, you consider the context. This is the night before his execution. And he is passing this on to his brothers. And notice that in your obedience, God's love remains on you. First John chapter two verses three and four. Okay. First John two verses three and four. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So that person can say, "I love God all day long." But if they are rejecting his word, they are rejecting the word. They are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. First uh, John 5, verses 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, and so because I love God, because I... He overfills me. He overflows me. And so I want, I want him to know him too. And how do I do that? By loving him. As he has loved me, so I love others. It should be natural. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. It should be you know, there's that fruit again. And if it's not there, now I need to go back to the cross. I go back to Christ and go, this fruit is missing in my life. Love for others. That's why repentance is brought up so much. Yeah. So, this, aunt, this love 
this keeping this commandments, I, I, I don't want to elevate the keeping of the commandments up to the same level of loving the Lord. Because if, if, if it starts to, if, if keeping the commandments starts to take precedence, absolutely. Pretty soon the love is gone and I am just a law keeper. Oh, you foolish Galatians. Oh, you blind Pharisees, scribes, hypocrites. Not, not, not that obedience is a bad thing. It's you put it in the wrong place and love is gone. God desires us to love him. And in loving him, we will keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, and his commandments. When? Always. Does that mean I'll be perfect? No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> you know, no, I won't. Will I have to repent? Yeah, yeah probably this afternoon. So, you know, give it. Ho- hopefully, hopefully I can make it through church. You know, but. Yeah. Thanks, Brittany. <laughs> so this is this is his call. This is his call to love us. And then what is the the first major word in the second verse? No. What else what else do you have? Consider. Consider. No consider. No and consider. Okay, let's read uh, verses 2 through 7. Sarah, would you read 2 through 7? And consider today, since I am not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it, consider the discipline of the Lord your God, his greatness, his mighty hand, and his outstretched arm, his signs and his deeds that he did in Egypt to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all his land, and what he did to the army of Egypt, to their horses and to their chariots, how he made the water of the Red Sea flow over them as they pursued after you, and how the Lord has destroyed them to this day, and what he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place, and what he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that followed them in the midst of all Israel. For your eyes have seen all the great work of the Lord that he did. Beautiful. Consider, to know. What's it mean to consider? To know something. If you consider something, I think, like you're meditating on it, and you're like giving it weight, Evaluate. stopping thinking. Ooh. Evaluating? <clears throat> but knowing is, knowing is just knowing that you don't have to meditate on it because you just know it. Okay. So this, the sense of the word is deeper than just the knowledge. It implies... Okay. So to, to consider something requires what? Effort. Effort. Knowledge. It requires the knowledge of the thing. What'd you, what did you... What? Being... It requires time. What'd you say? Concentration. Concentration. Okay. This is this is an MTV generation. I call it MTV, and MTV is like dead now, but that's okay. <laughs> MTV. Like yeah. Oh God. MTV. What did MTV do to television and movies? Fast cuts. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Fast cuts. Fast cuts. Man, you gotta have in images. Things gotta be coming constantly, otherwise we're gonna get bored. Okay. <coughs> you and you, we have become encultured to not 
being able to consider, to sit on the porch with nothing in your hand and think on a thing. Yeah, boom, bam, bam, bam. Who can get there faster? Ready? Go. You know, sword drills. On their phone. Look consider on Google. They ain't going to give you. We need time. God is calling his people to stop and think. Consider, wrestle with, evaluate, know these things things. Know what? What does he want them to consider? This is crazy. The instructions of God. The, inst- the instructions of God. What's another translation say? Discipline. The discipline of the Lord. To study the instruction and the discipline of the Lord. Okay, now he says this. I love the, I love the parenthetical there. And the ESV puts this statement in parentheses. I'm not speaking to your children who have not known or seen it. I'm speaking to you who have seen this unfold and play out. You have seen the discipline of the Lord. And he goes on to in, and so this is, you know, dis, discipline is probably a little bit better than instruction here. Because a discipline, what is discipline? We talk about this here in this class often. Correction. Requires judgment, what? Dedication. Yeah. Is discipline bad? No, no, it is not bad. Discipline is not bad. Discipline is a good word. It is a good word. It is a great word. However, there is positive and there is negative discipline. Discipline is merely training. Some Some of it is punitive. Some of it is punitive and well deserved. Some of it is exhortive. A lot of it is hard oftentimes. But the discipline he's talking about are things that have taken place in the past. If you know something this is a good thing this is a bad thing is that is that enough to prevent you from doing the bad thing or exhorting you to do the good thing is texting and driving a bad thing or a good thing Does anybody not know this truth? And yet, drive down the highway. If somebody's passing you or you're passing somebody, just glance in. 50%, probably 50% of people are face down on their thing. Or have it up. Maybe they have it up because they're going to scan while they're texting. It's creepy. It is creepy. I think that oftentimes we um, consider the ramifications. Is it like are the you know, like, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, my kids do it. Tadden will literally say, "Like I will tell him, do not do this," and I'm like, "Well, what happens if I do?" Like he wants yeah. to know. Like ask Tyler Tyler, how many spankings will I get? With constant question, he wants to. He's going to weigh his options, and sometimes. They, he thinks it's worth it. We do the same thing. Do we learn? Do we learn from our discipline? You know how how many speeding tickets does it take before you obey the speed limit? Yeah. 
So God says, God says, you have seen this. Don't let these things go to, don't let these things leave your mind. I want you to consider these things, to think on them, really. How do these things play out? Who disciplines you? What? Let me rephrase that. Why does somebody discipline you? You know, in a family, it is love. In business, it may be pragmatic. You know, to A, make you a better performer on the job, ultimately for the good of the company. I would say that that's always, I mean, even in a family, it's for you, but also for the betterment of this family, for society in general, because I don't want you to grow up to be a terrible person. Yeah. Um... Typically, you discipline uh, someone you at least care about to some degree. You don't, you know, the discipline you discipline your own children is going to be different than some stranger that you need or something. What's the world think of discipline? It's a bad thing. Abuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You set a boundary, any boundary almost. Until until you push them on it, they live in boundaries. They do, and they set them for their own people. Expect them of their own workers. Consider, consider the examples. He's, so he says, consider Pharaoh. His signs, God's signs, and his deeds that he did in Egypt. Verse three to Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And to all his land. What God did to the Pharaoh and to his land. To his army. Ooh. What he did to the army of Egypt. Their horses, their chariots. How he, I mean, one of the greatest armies in that region of the world. In an instant. It's at the bottom of the sea. What's it doing there? How did it get there? God Discipline, God's discipline. But God merely doesn't, God God doesn't merely discipline those who stand. Let me rephrase this. God doesn't merely discipline pagans. God doesn't merely discipline the godless. He does, but he also disciplines his people. And and this, uh, this should make us shudder. Verse 6. Or we'll go 5 and 6. What he did to you in the wilderness until you came to this place. You can think of the discipline of the Lord as far as you know, keeping water from them, providing water for them, keeping food from them, providing manna for them, bringing them quail. What he did to Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, the sons of Reuben, how the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their household, their tents, every living thing that followed them in the midst of all. Your eyes, people, your eyes have seen all the great works that the Lord did. God brings discipline also within his people. Within his people, those who appear possibly to be his children and those who are not. We, we talked before, were there any believers who died in the wilderness during those 40 years? Yes. Probably. It doesn't, well, no, it doesn't. Well, let's see. Yes, it does. We can, we can name probably three for sure. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. I'm sorry, what? They said, can we name any believers that died in the wilderness? I would imagine there's some in the generation that died. Yeah. The 608,000 men plus women. Yeah. Yeah. You know, were there any who had a humble heart toward God that they, they slew and came in? I have to say, yeah, probably. Probably. Can I say that with certainty? No, I can't. But, but God is going to bring his discipline, positive and negative, within his church as well. 
And hopefully, sometimes it is the church itself exercising discipline. As we exhort and encourage one another, as we rebuke one another. Who are you? Well, hopefully, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we do this. Hey, man, be careful where you're going. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned for you. Saints, we have seen what God has done. We have seen what God has done. We were sharing this with my daughters last night, and I even forget the situation. No, no, I don't. Reading the, the last chapter of Desiring God, and I'm not, not liking it. It's talking about suffering. And it, it, is, it, is, it is troubling my heart. To not know a thing, I will not be responsible for that. Okay? When I do know a thing, I now become responsible for it. I become responsible for it in a way that I wasn't before. I can still get a ticket for not seeing this, this sign. You were speeding. But it's different. If I saw the sign, it is different. It may not be different to the cop, but it's different to the Lord who is the perfect judge. To know a thing and reject a thing, to know a thing and go contrary to a thing is a far different thing than to not know a thing and simply be a pagan. That's why Peter says that within the church, judgment must begin in the church. I mean, we, the, the, the world ought not have to judge us. We ought to be judging and policing ourselves because we have a responsibility, because we have known and we have seen. This is a dangerous thing for somebody who comes in and is part of a church for a very, very long time and does not know Christ as Savior. They've heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the gospel and have not been broken by it. What other sacrifice is there? Asks the author of Hebrews. There isn't one. Therefore, we will press with the following verses next week. Joseph. Um, just a practical application of what I feel like God is doing to the Israelites here in verses 2 through 7. Yeah. Um, and thinking about my own life at times, but also friends and family.